Well, good morning and welcome. The Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us in the name of Christ our Lord, the Christ who keeps his promise that he made to the disciples and the women to go before us and to meet us. Certainly the risen Christ meets us this morning. It is a joy to share with you in this time of worship, especially those who may be visiting with us, our guest. You bless us with your presence, and we pray this is a blessed time for us all as we worship Christ together. And throughout this service of worship, we're going to see all kinds of signs of life witnessing to the Christ who has conquered death, the Christ who lives again, the Christ who is with us. We will see as we move through this time of worship uh, that we have students from the City of Hope with us. Thank you for being with us this morning. We look forward to your witness offered in this time of worship to the witness that comes in song and in word as well. Uh, you bless us with, your, with our, your presence and thank you again. Also, we uh, will hear from our choir and the solo during our offertory. And we will also have witness to the Rise Against Hunger Mission Ministry. I'll let Linda Adams speak to that. And that will take place following this first scripture reading from 1 John. Uh, Linda Adams will speak to us, and that will also serve as our children's time, um, the, the mission project Rise Against Hunger. Would have you also know that next Saturday on the 14th in the Uptown Ministry Center, there will be CPR training in regard to adults, children, and infants. There will also be first aid training plus AED training on Saturday the 14th in the Uptown Ministry Center. Uh, that starts at 9 o'clock. We are asking for you to RSVP, uh, and you'll see some information uh, around the church detailing uh, these classes offered again next Saturday the 14th at 9 o'clock in the Ministry Center. Uh, so do give attention to these ministries and others as you find them before us this morning. As we notice the bulletin cover that is before us, it reminds us the Easter story continues, and we will share from the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John in which Jesus offers blessing to Thomas and blessing to the rest of us as well. We prepare to worship God together.
Our call to worship is before us. I invite us to stand as we share in this call to worship. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. We have not seen the risen Christ, but we have seen him in the lives of those transformed by grace. We have not seen Jesus face to face, but we have seen him in the graces of everyone whose love encourages us. We have not touched the wounds from the cross, but we have been called to bring healing First, as it comes to us from the New Testament letter, we know as 1 John chapter 1 into chapter 2. First, we pray. Lord, you have stirred us awake. You have brought us to this place of worship with your word, a word anew each day. By your word you create and recreate, by your word you sustain. Help us, Lord, to hear your word now, that it may take root within us, and that it may bear fruit for your sake. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we saw it and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing this that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live according to the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing this to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the expiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is the word of our Lord. And I'm going to invite Linda Adams to come forward to speak to us of the rise against hunger. And I'll also invite our children to come forward. Children, we want you to know of this mission project, which is really available to those of all ages. And you will see some slides, some, some pictures of previous presentations of this mission project. And you may see some children in these pictures as well. Linda, we thank you. this past week and I wanted to share it with you. The quote is, you pray for the hungry, then you feed them. This is how prayer works. And that's how prayer works here at First United Methodist Church. With the food bank, with the lunch bunch, with our holiday feeding program for the children, we pray and then we feed them. Um, what I'm going to talk to you about now is uh, Rise Against Hunger. And instead of calling it Stop Hunger Now, they have changed the name. It's called Rise Against Hunger. And the mission committee would like to invite you to come and join us on April the 28th from 9 to 11. We're going to be packaging food. We need a group of 40 to 50 volunteers to package more than 10,000 meals. Uh, that will be done in two hours. And ladies, there's no cooking, so that's a plus. It's just simply to package the meals. We're going to pack, put uh, enriched rice, soy protein, dried vegetables, 
and 23 essential vitamins and nutrients in small bags. We'll weigh them and seal them. But each person will just do a small part of that. So regardless of your age or your how young you are or how old you are or your physical condition, you can come help because you can either sit or you can stand. And each person does a small part of feeding 10,129 people in those two hours. Wow, yes. <laughs> These meals will travel thousands of miles, and they actually have a shelf life of two years. In the past years, from 2011 to 2015, we did Stop Hunger Now, and we packaged 132,318 meals. Can you believe that? And that's, yes, and that's how many people we fed. These meals are given to children in schools. They attract children to stay in school because they're being fed. They help with the dropout program. They especially help with the girls staying in school because they, they're being fed. They're not being mistreated. They, it helps with the um, poverty levels. These meals go to orphanages, to hospital patients. We not only want you to come, we need you to come. Like I said, we need 40 to 50 volunteers. It's not only work, but it's a time of ministry and a time of great fellowship. And I want you to come and either bring your hat or we'll give you a... Um, Net, and we can all go to work. Thanks for your time. Again, that's Saturday, April the 28th, and there are some sign-up sheets. Linda, we thank you. We thank you, our mission team. And Lee Showman, we thank you for sharing in the ministry of our children's church this morning.
We join now in song with Now the Green Blade Riseth. It's number 311 in our hymnals, not number 131, number 311. We stand as we sing. I like that the tune to that Easter hymn is similar, or is the same, as the tune to a Christmas hymn. It's important that we know the Christmas story and the Easter story are all part of one story. I'm grateful for the way in which that tune may remind us that the story begun at Christmas is a story continuing through the season of Easter. That's why we're here. <laughs> we hear now from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Let us hear the word of God. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. 
Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. The doors were shut, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not be faithless, but believing. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of our Lord. Well, it was quite a different experience for us in this place at this time last week, wasn't it? I mean, everything around us shouted Easter. Perhaps we wore special clothing for the occasion. A wonderful meal may have been enjoyed after the service. There was no doubt Christ the Lord was risen that day. But if it is true, as the classic song says, what a difference a day makes, consider the difference a week makes. The Easter meals have been enjoyed. The new clothing may be stained or torn. And just as there are certain laws of physics, such as Newton's third law of motion, so there are similar laws within the church such as, just as there is the Sunday of Easter, so there is an equal and opposite Sunday after Easter. Richie's Law of Liturgy. <laughs> well, it was nice while it lasted. But we have discovered, like so many things in our lives, Easter just kind of seems to come and go. May wonder, how much difference did it make? Nothing seems to last too long anymore, including the celebrations of the church. You see, we certainly were not expecting Easter Part 2 today, were we? We were not expecting more lilies, more stories of Resurrection Day, or the singing of Christ the Lord is risen today. Today's not Easter. Today's the Sunday after so we expect everything to be back to normal. But it may be that this morning's gospel shouts to us, in spite of our efforts or lack thereof, not everything is back to normal. As where scripture begins, we see this is not a celebratory bunch of disciples. This, despite the news they have received of Jesus raised from the dead, Notice the posture of those who had followed Jesus most closely is to shake in fear in response to the news Jesus lives again. They hide 
behind locked doors. They don't look for the one raised from the dead. They cower in fear. They are not anxious to proclaim good news of resurrection. They're afraid of what this news, should it be true, may do to them and to all they know. But this is supposed to be the church. And what kind of church is this? Christ is raised from the dead. Death has been conquered. Pilate and all that would oppose the living God defeated. So what's going on with the disciples of Jesus cowering in fear? How's that supposed to be church? Where is there any hope for a church behaving like that? A pastor remembers the first church he served right out of seminary. For this pastor, this church was not the most inspiring of churches. On his first visit there, he found a large chain and padlock on the front door. Not a good sign. But it was put there, he was told, by the local sheriff. When he asked why, the pastor was told, well, things got out of hand at the board meeting last month. Folks started ripping up the carpet, dragging out the pews they had given in memory of their mothers. It got bad. The sheriff came out here, put the lock on the door until our new pastor could come and settle things down. Welcome. <laughs> Would appear the church served by this young pastor could not agree on anything, so the pastor did the best he could to serve the folks and with some relief, he then went on to serve another church elsewhere. But it was a few years later, this young pastor ran into a young man who is now a member of the troubled church the pastor had served. They still remember you there, said the young man to the pastor. Well, I remember them too, replied the pastor. What's a nice guy like you doing in a church like that? You wouldn't believe it said the young man. This church is now making a powerful difference in the community. That little church is supporting, in one way or another, more than a dozen troubled families around the church. The free daycare centers doing great things. And I'll tell you that there are not too many interracial congregations like this one in North Georgia. The pastor shook his head, could not believe it. Are you sure we're talking about the same church? What happened? Well, I don't know, the young man said, but one Sunday, things just sort of came together. It wasn't anything in particular. It's just that when the service was done and we were on our way out, we knew Jesus loved us and had plans for us. Things fairly much took off after that. As the pastor walked away from this conversation, he could not believe what he had heard. But as he would reflect on this conversation, on the transformation about which he had heard, he realized there was only one explanation for what had happened to that church. That church had been intruded upon by the Christ who had conquered death, the Christ raised from the dead, 
Though that church, like those disciples after Easter, had closed its doors, and though the members of that church were driven by fear, wanting little to do with a Jesus like that, Jesus would not be stopped. Jesus would not be defeated. He would not be kept away. He broke through the doors, intruded upon this troubled bunch. He breathed on them his life-giving peace, his life-giving spirit. He transformed this cowardly, trembling bunch, made them a church. And this is something only Christ raised from the dead can do, and it is something Jesus still does. And there is powerful and disruptive blessing in all of this. It is blessing of belief. It is blessing of belief that lives not because we see, but blessing that is given to those who, though they do not see, believe. It is blessing given by the writer we call John, the writer of this gospel who, though more than anything else, wants you and me to believe and to know this life-saving intrusion of Jesus. If each of us, somewhere along the way, only had a mentor in the faith like John. If only somewhere along the way, each of us had a hero in the faith like the one who writes this gospel. You see, it is evident the writer of this gospel cares deeply about those to whom he writes. I believe he understands those to whom he writes may feel at some disadvantage from other followers of Jesus. This writer understands there are those to whom he writes who believe themselves handicapped from believing in Jesus because they don't have firsthand experience with Jesus. This writer understands there are those to whom he writes who may ask, how can we believe in Jesus? How can we follow Jesus? We were not there. We never saw him. We never heard him. We did not sit at table with him. We never felt his embrace. We never felt his hands giving us sight or making us to walk or raising us to life. How can we be expected to believe in Jesus? The writer of the gospel knows these questions. The questions weigh heavily upon him. Those to whom he writes struggle with belief. They struggle with unbelief. And this writer, more than anything, wants them to believe in Jesus. If only each of us has a mentor in the faith like him. I mean, look at this writer. He is relentless. He is persistent. He is fearless. Over 60 times in his gospel, he speaks some form of the word belief. And it does so. Why? Because he understands the circumstances in which those to whom he writes find themselves. 
from beginning to end of his gospel. He invites belief, calls for faith, tries to compel belief in Jesus. To all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. To all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, the one who believes in the Son has eternal life. Truly I say to you, the one who hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. <coughs> Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true. And he knows that he tells the truth that you also may believe. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Jesus said to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. If only we had mentors like John, because it's obvious John cares. He cares about those to whom he writes. He loves those to whom he writes. He is not willing to let them go. He wants them to believe, wants them to know the life, to find the life known only by those who believe in Jesus. So much so, that he dares offer those who struggle to believe the blessing of Jesus for their belief. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So I ask you, brothers and sisters in Christ, do you receive this blessing of John? I ask this because he's writing to us. Really, is there any difference between us and those to whom John first wrote some 60 years after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? They did not see Jesus. They did not hear him. They could not tell anyone what Jesus looked like, sounded like. They could not tell anyone if his hands bore the calluses of years lived as a carpenter. They were not there when he fed 5,000. They were not there when he healed the man born blind. They were not there when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Neither were we. So tell me then, the difference between us and those to whom John was. Tell me then, the blessing John offers to the first audience of his gospel, is not this blessing our blessing just as much? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. 
So many reasons not to believe, but we still do. We haven't seen, we haven't heard, we haven't touched. We've endured cynicism, scorn, we've suffered loss of loved ones. We were not there. Perhaps we, like others before us, feel at a disadvantage. Perhaps we see ourselves lacking so many reasons not to believe, but we do. We're not lacking. We're not at any disadvantage. Instead, we are, according to John, blessed. Blessed are those, that is, you and me, who haven't seen, but believe. Did we know how blessed we are? Receive again this blessing. Blessed are you. You haven't seen, yet you believe. Amen. I invite us to respond to the word by sharing in this responsive affirmation as it is before us. Now, welcome sharing in this affirmation because it's going to take us again through so many Easter appearances, resurrection appearances between Jesus and those witnesses after that first Easter day. Let us stand and affirm our faith. <laughs> On the first day of the week at early dawn, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And the women departed quickly from the tomb with fear and a great joy. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Hail. And Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And she said, They have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Saying this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Master. That very day, two of the disciples were going to a village named Emmaus. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, and they recognized him in the breaking of the bread. Hallelujah. On the evening of that day, the doors being shut where the disciples were, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Hallelujah. Simon Peter said unto the disciples, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. And that night they caught nothing. But just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, and the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Amen. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, Equip you with everything good that you may do God's will, working in you that which is pleasing in God's sight.
through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. And as we prepare for the witness from the City of Hope, just a reminder that following this witness, we will share in the passing of the feast, and then we will receive the morning offering. I am thrilled to have such a wonderful group of girls from the City of Hope and Regina, who is their leader. Uh, it's hard for me to believe that it was 30 years ago this April that Regina and Sean Chacha came to Martinsville and Slayton and I met them and we were privileged to join with them in establishing teamwork ministries so that they could minister in Africa where John Chacha had been raised to his own people. That's a story in itself. But today we are celebrating now the 11th year of the City of Hope, which was established in John Chacha's village where he grew up. And just as a little boy, when he would see a bird fly across the sky, he said, someday I'm gonna fly. He didn't know that it was an airplane. And he did, and he came to America. But the City of Hope was established 11 years ago, and Regina is gonna come and tell you what the Lord has truly done in that place through the power of risen Lord. And so it's exciting to see, but most of all, it's exciting to have some of the girls that have grown up the City of Hope. This is Regina Chacha, co-founder of Teamwork Ministries and now head of the City of Hope. Thank you, Marion. Your support has been a great blessing through the years, and, and she's kept this church pulled in and along with us, and we appreciate your, your partnership, and, and it's because of, of people like you, other churches, other individuals, that we are seeing such a great transformation in the work that we're doing. Um, as, as Pastor Richie was sharing, it's only through the power of God and knowing what Jesus has done and believing that, that we can truly see transformation. And while all the other things we do and with, for education and all that are important, the most important thing is to see people's lives changed because of the power of God and what he is doing in our midst. Um, as some of you may know, the area where we're working before we started um, going there, it was an area known for clan violence, a lot of fighting. There's a lot of practices such as a female genital mutilation and, and child marriage and things that are, are really harmful to people. But little by little, those things are changing as people are coming to know the Lord, coming to experience his transforming power. Uh, one testimony I'll share briefly. One of our, our workers, he works in, in construction, such a hard man, and, and there were rumors about some of the terrible things he had done during the time of the Klan fights and all that. And yet he came to know the Lord and gave his life to Jesus. And you can just see such a change in his face, his whole demeanor. He used to look so hard, but now he... You can see love. And 
and that's what God can do. So we're, we're so excited. Um, just a brief update about the, the progress of some of our initiatives. Um, in 2017, we opened the Dr. John Chacha Secondary School, so now we not only can teach our children um, in primary school, but, but secondary, which is high school. Um, so this year, we had the third grade level. We had opened with two grade levels, and so now we have the three, and we're already at 130 students, which is incredible for just being um, open for, for a little over a year. Um, God is doing amazing things there. Uh, he has enabled us to open a technology lab full, fully furnished with computers. And that is such a blessing and such a draw for the students. And there's nothing like it anywhere around. Um, we've also received recognition for the quality of our science labs. So all these things are useful to giving the students advantage, um, to give them opportunities to help them in fulfilling their dreams. So we are very, very thankful for all who partner with us and encourage anyone um, who wants to check out more on our, on our website. We have, um, I believe, is there literature at the back? Yes. And um, we have a, a banner and all that to see pictures. Um, but anyone who wants to get involved in sponsoring a child or helping with any of our initiatives, we we greatly appreciate that, and but above all, we are thankful for what what God is doing in the lives of individuals. And these girls that are here to sing for you today, um, God has truly blessed their lives and given them an extra special opportunity. So they were at our school in Tanzania, but they have a scholarship now to attend Mountain Mission School in Grundy, Virginia. Um, a school that has a very similar vision to our own, raising children to um, become leaders, to serve the Lord, to find his plan and purpose. And so they are there uh, to continue their education, and we're thankful that they can come and share with you today. So if you all will come and sing.
ladies for your witness to the presence of the living Christ and to thank you for the connection we share as we serve Christ together. I invite us now to welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. Let us welcome one another. As we find our places, we prepare to receive God's tithes and our offerings and are grateful for those occasions and worship when we have the uh, presentation such as this from the City of Hope and, and we remember and we give thanks for the opportunity we have to support this ministry by way of our giving and we uh, witness to that again as we receive God's tithes and our offerings as our ushers come forward. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you breathe your peace upon us, you breathe your spirit upon us, and we know your presence. We thank you for witness to you by way of these gifts, by way of song and a dance, by way of connections that are made and sustained by the living Christ. Accept these gifts and use them to your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
you so much. I invite us to go to God as we pray, to share in the prayers of the people. A responsive time of prayer, I will offer various petitions. Conclude each of those with the words, Lord, in your mercy, and invite from you the response, hear our prayer, and invite you to name those concerns, those persons you'd like to lift to God. As we praise this community of faith, we then pray, as Christ has taught us, let us pray. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation, Lord, in your mercy. family and friends of Ruth Cheney. Lord, in your mercy, hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. Bishop Lewis, Janine Howard, Commission on a Way Forward, the Ministries of First Church. Lord, in your mercy. And hear our prayers joined with those of your saints who gather with us now, praising you and praying as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Share our closing hymn, Christ has risen.
We go as a light into the world. And we go as those who are blessed. Receive again your blessing for believing in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.